Yet another cold open by yours truly, Andy Claff. Welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising podcast. This is a panel show um, that started with a chat in our Discord server. Um, I don't know, Claudia, are you the one to blame? I mean, claim authorship of the idea? I forget how it actually started. I don't know. I think it started from a conference conversation of somebody saying um, they can't bring their whole self to work because if they did, they probably break all of the ethics code and rules. And so it was from there. Is uh, I just threw it out there. Anybody want to do a pod on authenticity and can you bring your whole self? Well, we'll find out. Um, do either of you have a working definition of authenticity that we can bounce around and perfect? Nothing that Webster's would use. Do we have Webster's? Oh, go on, Jay. What's your non-Webster version? Um, I, my my definition of authenticity is when you are a person who is authentic, you can tell that that's who they are and that's all there is. And maybe it's relying on the lizard brain, whether that's right, wrong, or different. Andy, that's a different show. Call back to a previous show. Um, but you can tell when you're dealing with someone, it's an almost primordial feature that we understand that, okay, this person's being real and being legit. And they're not they're not coming at it with a with a hidden agenda or or um they're not being manipulative. It's, it's one of those things I, I almost kind of struggle to put it into words. It's one of those things where I can tell when you're not being authentic. I I and when you are being authentic, I just take it as it is. Anything you'd add, Claudia? I like that version. Being real, being legit, simple enough. Um, I think there's the, the thing that we hear often is bringing your whole self or being your whole self. It, I'm, I'm curious, does this from the sternum up represent the whole self these days? Or is it in Slack conversation where it's only words and context switching? Where does this apply? And does it apply differently in different contexts? So if I'm going to bring my whole self right now, you're going to have to know that I'm in PJs from the bottom down because it's 10 p.m. for me. <laughs> um, well, I guess that also, that makes me want to ask the question, what is the genesis of bringing your whole self to work? When someone first said those terms, what were they, what was the point they were trying to make? You know, I don't, I don't necessarily know. I don't know necessarily if any of us know. Is, is it, was it a sense of, was it in the service of the idea of you need to find somewhere where you can fit in as yourself? So if I'm being myself and I find I don't fit in, that should be a leading indicator that maybe this is the wrong contract, wrong job for me. Or is it, was the the primary motivator of if your whole self doesn't uh, fit with the company's overall moral goals or intentions, then maybe that's a t chance for you to go. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to answer a question with a question, but I do wonder where but you're totally doing it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the genesis of this, right? The genesis of the, the conversation or the whole no. idea that genesis of the idea. Happened. Yeah. I, I think it came out of a lot of work that all of us are familiar with and, and our listeners too. Amy Edmondson's work, Brene Brown's work, all this stuff about our, is do you have trust and safety uh, at work? And one of the, the indicators is if you can't show up as your whole self, chances are you're, you're missing a little bit there. 
And if you're then ipso facto, if that's not there, well, what are your chances of really being a high performing uh, workforce or team? Right. If if you are filtering significant portions of yourself, I think that's where it came from. Bring your whole self to work. That's fair. But I feel like we started hearing more about it during COVID, and I know this is like a much more literal interpretation. But bringing your whole self to work was also the fact that you were at home working for a lot of us in any case, and there was your personal life that was also being very, very mixed in with your work life. So that's, I don't know, it's ringing a bell for me, like when we started the whole lockdown phase and, and COVID, like that's when I started hearing more about authenticity, bringing your whole self and just being real with your context. You're probably right, Claudia. It probably has to do with the, um, we now have an, uh, no, it's no longer implicit. It's an explicit acknowledgement of someone's mental health and where they are at a particular moment in time. And during the lockdown, when everybody, there, there's a lot of people who struggle, myself included. I, th I think you're right. I think some of that came from, we need to acknowledge that people are more than just what they do at work. There is a whole life that surrounds them, a whole world that surrounds them. And sometimes that can impact work in a way that they may not even be aware of. So we need to acknowledge that there is there is a work J and a home J and a you know pajamas from the waist down J, and we need to met we need to munch all these people together. And if one of them shows up at the wrong time in the wrong place, oh heaven help us! Yeah, I want to I want to steer the conversation to some specifics, and maybe we can bounce back and forth um, pros and cons, the benefits and potential drawbacks of showing up as your true self. Uh, pajamas waist down. So we, we touched a little bit about trust and connection. Um, and let's explore how authenticity uh, fosters that amongst team members and leaders at any level. What what way does it help building help build stronger interpersonal connections? What do you think, Claudia? Uh, it's well, I'm thinking empathy. So if I'm coming as my whole self and I'm allowed to have a bad day and today you're going to know that I'm having a bad day, then it'll probably be easier for somebody that I'm working with to acknowledge that and maybe they need to pick up my slack or maybe I need to pick up theirs or they're just going to know, hey, she's moody today and let's just stay away. <laughs> let's steer clear. Or she's going through something and, hey, we got to help her out. I would agree. I would agree. I mean, sharing what you feel comfortable with on your personal life. If, if um, you know, everybody knows I'm a big pet guy. So when I lose a pet, I typically tell people, hey, I lost somebody yesterday or whatever. Um, it not only, uh, not for the services of creating the connection with people, but they understand where I'm coming from. So to your point, I, I'm not all there mentally. You know, my brain is off in other places because I have other things outside of work that are weighing on me. So that's a that's definitely a pro from bringing your your whole self and being authentic because people can see it, and maybe they maybe they treat you with a little bit more softer glove, which at that moment is probably what you need. Or it, to your point, Claudia, it improves the collaboration. Right, the, the goal of this event was X. Do you want to keep doing that? Jay, you might choose to say, yes, I need to change my mind and get off of something. Or you could equally say, 
no, I, I can't focus on that. Here's what's going on. So I think both are powerful, but it only comes when you are, are very transparent and authentic about how you're feeling in that moment. I love it. Sure. All right, let's the other, um, the next side, um, professionalism and boundaries. Ouch. <laughs> what are the, some of the challenges? You, you got to maintain professionalism. Um, and if you're too authentic, um, you might cross some boundaries and lead to comfort mm -hmm. or conflicts. I, I feel one. like I'm uniquely suited to speak about this one. Um, uh, looking at you, Jay, the walking HR, walking, walking HR violation. So when it comes to, so, and that's why, and that's why maybe it comes back to the, the, the crux of the, of the discussion when it comes to bringing your whole self to work. I think I always have my entire life. So it's one of those things where I, 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 I look at the term and kind of cockeyed because how I am at home is how I am at work for bet lesser, for better, or for worse. So I don't really, I mean, I curse less when I'm at work um, and I, 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 I come off the inappropriate analogies, but for the most part, my, my personality is the same, but, but with that being said, so there are, there are people out there who are listening to this, who are outgoing, who are kind of boisterous, maybe have very large, very loud personalities. Um, what keeps me out of HR is a couple of things. Self-deprecating humor is huge. So if you're making a joke and you're making a joke about yourself, if someone gets uncomfortable because you're making a joke about yourself, well, that's an easier conversation to have than me making a joke about someone else. So mm -hmm. it's pointed inwards. That's for anybody who's listening. That's the hint. Self-deprecation is key. Um, you always punch up. You never punch down. So you never make fun of or insult or throw a sly remark at someone lesser than you. Corporate stature, one of your direct reports, someone who reports directly to you. You know, I, I hate to reintroduce the caste system, but you can't. You can't. That's looking as late. It's lazy. Whereas if you make a joke, you know, upwards within reason, right? Within reason, um, you create a bigger, you, you create more, less opportunity to have it blow back on you. But the biggest thing, honestly, is you need to understand the room. You need to understand the context that you're in. So there are some rooms where I know I can get away with making, making a remark that might be a little blue for those of you that understand comedy. But there's other rooms where I walk in and I know I can't, I can't say that kind of stuff because I get myself in trouble or I'm going to give myself a black eye or reputational damage. So you have to know the room. You, you don't punch down. Self-deprecation is key. Um, the, the other big thing, and I've learned this um, personally, is sometimes you are going to make a remark, right, when you bring in your whole self that won't land well. And someone may end up offended. And they may come to you and say, I was very offended. Well, you you can't get offended back at this person because they were offended at you. The, the you What you need to do, the responsible, mature thing is, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know where the line is. Now I have found it and now I will never go that far. I will actually back off a couple steps because I don't ever want to make anybody else uncomfortable. And I'll be completely honest. It has happened to me where I've made a, I made a joke, which I thought was amusing. And someone went to my boss and said, you know, Jay made this joke and it, and it upset me a little because of reasons. So my boss actually came to me and he was nervous. To, he said he was nervous bringing it up to me. And when he said it to me, I said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, I feel terrible. I don't want to ever make anybody uncomfortable at work because I'm trying to, uh, I'm funny. So I won't ever make that joke again. Should I reach out to this person and apologize? And he said, no, 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 don't, don't make it worse. Cause they were uncomfortable coming to me, but just know where that line is. You're so just going to dig yourself deeper. Exactly. <laughs> know where the line is, learn where it is and be mature about it. And don't go that far. You know, like there are certain people you can get away with maybe making an off color comment. And there's certain people you can't, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
if you're but if you're confused, err on the side of caution. Indeed, it's always better to err on the side of caution. Don't end up in HR for something stupid. The one time I honestly, the one time I did end up in HR, someone said I started a rumor that there'd be a layoff on April Fool's Day, and they never put the fact that it was April Fool's Day together. When I was looking at the person in HR and said, "So you're telling me I started a layoff rumor?" Yes, on April first for April Fool's. Yes. So you're telling me I'm saying there's a layoff on April Fool's Day, and the HR person went, "Yep," and they stopped, and the wheels clicked, and they realized, and I went, "We'll talk later." <laughs> so again. Don't punch down. Be aware of the room you're in. Self-deprecation is key. And realize that there are some times that you might actually overstep a bound. That's that's a bounding box. Step back from it. We talked a little bit earlier about mental health and then and the struggles that just about everyone. Well, I can't speak for everyone. I can speak for myself and and you can speak for yourselves, but you know, the last three or four years have have been um pretty taxing. And so for me, being authentic at work, um, letting people know where I'm at um has really been uh, a positive contribution to to connection and sense of well-being. I'm curious. Claudia, what experience have you had recently, you know, in the context of authenticity um, and and personal engagement, satisfaction, general well-being? How does that impact you? Yeah, what it's making me think of is, um, and I was talking with a few friends recently about how I have a selective vulnerability. So, okay. means- yes. I know that there are certain, I I do a lot of co-coaching. So I know that with my co-coach, I can just, I can come as my full self and tell her everything exactly like it is exactly what I'm going through, what mood I'm in. And it's not gonna have a negative impact. So I can be full-blown vulnerable authentic I can have my bouts of Tourette's that I tend to have from time to time (laughs) Um, and then there are other people where I elect to not be they don't get like the full disclosure Claudia they will get the I'm gonna go into coachy mode or I am gonna go into no bullshit mode but I will choose to not show you exactly what is going on behind the scenes because it's going to do a disservice to either the people or the environment or whatever. So I will choose to be vulnerable with some people. And on some occasions, even with peers, I will choose not to be vulnerable because I feel like it could be toxic. Does that fall into inauthentic or just... Smart. Yeah, wary, smart. Yeah. I would hope it's smart, but sometimes I would think, well, maybe if so and so saw me being my full, true, authentic self, whether it's I'm having a very vulnerable day or I'm having a bitchy day, then maybe they would know that they're allowed to do that too. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of, I don't know. I want to, I want to think it's smart on most days, but some days I think, actually maybe that that person those that group those people would benefit from seeing that i can be super positive one day and the next day i have my bad days just like everybody else and it's okay 
we'll survive. We'll go. We'll get past it. Yeah, Jay, that's that for me starts to fall into the organizational culture slash norm. Is it okay to show up and say, "Hey, y'all, I'm having a bad day." Um, you again self-identified as you know the walking HR concern. You are. Um, how do you how do you deal with the organiz- the established norm and expectations, uh, and still? Um, being your authentic self and still <laughs> observing company policy and value. <laughs> it's so, unfortunately, it's one of those things where I think when you, when I, when I joined a place, when I joined a new org, I'm at my current company, I think it's almost coming up on two years. You, you really have to start out slow and quiet, slow and low, and just observe and see what, what happens. Um, I think that's the only way you can guarantee that you don't get walked out in the first 90 days in the trial period. But over time, you, you I think you start to realize where the culture really sits. So I'm I'm located in the East Coast, right? Andy and I are both on the East Coast. I work for a company that's based out of the West Coast. It's a totally different culture. It's a totally different culture. And anybody that says it's not is a liar. It is a totally different culture. So it's taken a lot of time for me to observe their, their norms um, compared to coming from the you know East Coast financial services world, right? it's you have to uh, sadly you have to kind of me i when i started i backpedaled i was quiet and i was observant because i needed to see where the the lines were drawn and then the culture was totally antithetical to what i'd been used to so it's it's a bit of a learning journey it really is um i find that the biggest the biggest chance for an authentic self-collision with a company culture or with an organizational norms and i think we've seen it a lot probably since the pandemic the pandemic really has changed our world it's regarding companies that are not necessarily socially motivated or minded. Their products are not something that is consumed in a social services, social context setting. And yet the expectation now that companies have an opinion on everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe this is the downfall of Citizens United, and, and but that's long conversation for another day. Um, but th- I find now the chance of collision where someone has a particular say, social social viewpoint or a political viewpoint and now there is almost an expectation from every company that every company needs to make a statement every time something happens in the greater world. And I think that slowly we're starting to see us come off the pendulum from that. The pendulum swung way too far, but that I think is a, is an almost disastrous mix. Like I, Ben Franklin said, the three things you don't talk about a mixed company, and I'm probably going to butcher the quote is politics, religion, and another man's wife. Those are three things you don't discuss in mixed polite company. I personally do believe that as well. <clears throat> I don't believe you should talk about those things at work unless your job is specifically around politics, religion, or you work for Ashley Madison, right? Um, so some of the so, but I, I wish Sarah was here because an interesting thing is, you know, we did we had when I worked for her, we did have a a, a very safe, open relationship. Like we were authentic selves. Her and I are almost diametrically opposed on a lot of those political things, a lot of those social things. But we still were able, because we had the respect for each other, we respected each other as coworkers. And I hope I'm not speaking for Sarah. If I am, she's yelling at her cell phone right now and typing out some angry message to me. Um, we had respect for each other as coworkers and respected ourselves as people that when that that attribute got introduced to our conversation, we deeply disagreed, but we respected each other. So it's not like we got mad at each other for our views. It was, okay, well, she views it different than I do. Well, no harm, no foul. It doesn't get in the way of work. If anything, it oh, deepens our, our interactions because we have some really interesting chats. And because you're both authentic, it, 
your viewpoints are coming across. You're both hearing it. It reminds me of Lincoln's cabinet, right? Mm -hmm. Where he assembled people with opposing viewpoints on purpose because he mm -hmm. knew that they would show up and they, you know, the, the, the creative friction would produce the best ideas, right? So only by showing up authentically and not filtering yourself because, well, I, I know, you know, Jay's left leaning. I'm not going to talk about my right views. Um, it, it impacts the possibility of innovation and creativity. Yes. And you, you, General Garvey Berger talks about, you should only confront someone when you're trying to deepen your understanding. That's the only excuse for confrontation in the corporate world is you're trying to deepen your understanding to figure out where they're coming from, where you're either diametrically opposed or at odds with what they're saying. And then that should lead to a more positive outcome. Um, however, when you rear into some of these topics, sometimes people let their emotions get the best of them. It's human. It's how we are. And that colors things. Now, I don't think, I honestly don't think um, it's, a, I do think, you know, now I'm going to walk back what I just said. I do think it is in a, in a safe, comfortable environment to discuss things like politics, discuss things like what's going on with the world, but you need to have that clarity or comfortability walking in that I know that Claudia already respects me and I respect her and she's not going to get mad at me if I say something that maybe she doesn't disagree with. If anything, we'll have maybe a heated, friendly debate, but at the end of the day, it doesn't impact work where some people don't have that ability, right? I don't think you should walk into a meeting with a MAGA hat on. I don't. I don't think you should walk into a meeting with a MAGA hat on. I don't think you should walk in with an Antifa uh, face mask and, and balaclava. Like, I don't think these are good ideas. I mean, depending on where we work, maybe it is, but I'm trying yeah, hard but, to manage my face. My face is too authentic. Where are we going with this? So, Claudia, what do you what do you think? You know, no, Andy, I want to turn it out. I want to turn it around on you. What about oh, you? No. Yeah, look yeah. at that. What's your? Did you see what I did, Jay? Yeah. Turn what? No, no, we're talking about we're talking about this whole authenticity, authenticity at work. What's it bringing up for you? Pros or cons? It, it's got both. Um, and it's very contextual. It depends on who I'm talking to, the time of day, what we're trying to get done, um, and how we're communicating. So I am finding um, Slack and email very difficult to be authentic, because so much of whatever is me and nuance needs to come through words and expressions and now hands. Um, and so that leads to these types of conversations. Small group, it's very easy uh, for me to, to say, whoa, 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 Jay. Um, that, that crossed the line for me. I'm uncomfortable with that. Um, at a certain scale, five, seven, 12, I find myself going down to the lowest common denominator of, a, of authenticity. As in you're not you or I, I, you're trying I to fit into the group? Fit into the group um, in a way that's still me. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to show up inauthentically. I guess there's a, a spectrum of how much of my authenticity I'm willing to put out there. And what I'm hearing myself say is it's contextual. It's yeah. the environment, the people. So there's a there's an interesting tangent, which is probably this is grounds for another episode. We always have this happen. Um, human beings are naturally resonant, right? So we all vibrate at a different frequency. And if Andy and I are chatting and Andy is at a higher frequency than me, 
What happens biologically is Andy does not come down to match me. Biologically, I go up to match Andy, which is why you'll meet people who say, man, talking to that person. You ever talk to someone who's actually exhausting to talk to? Where you have a great all conversation the, all the time. You walk away 20 minutes ago, 20 minutes later, you're like, oh my God, I'm knackered. That is typically because that person is vibrating at a higher frequency. You match their resonance when you were communicating and you don't realize it because it's a biological function. There's a whole science behind this. And then you walk away and you're like, oh my God, I'm exhausted because you were actually playing up. I believe it. And and I can imagine it's particularly pronounced when you're in the same physical space because their body is involved, right? Mm -hmm. They're tapping a leg or tapping their feet. But here again, we're, we're losing quite a bit of that. Have you noticed a change in the last couple of years as you went more um, virtual 2D in that tension or that ability to perceive the energy level? Or are you tuning your radar? to be more sensitive to the the smaller signals that you can't tell if I'm tapping my foot, right? As, or banging my pencil on the table, which you could when we were in the same room. So Claudia, I I'd like you to answer that. Then I'm gonna add an ask, uh, ask you an additional question. So what do you think? Is it harder virtually to pick up on that, that vibe? It takes more energy. It's Especially when you have to ask people to turn their cameras on. And when you feel like, if I'm asking you to turn on your camera, is that going to violate your space? Like, are you doing this because you are, you don't want to be here, you're not here, or because you can't show what's going on behind the scenes, or because you really want to be, I don't know, multitasking, you don't want me to know. <laughs> But you yeah, no, it takes a lot more effort. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I just feel like, well, for those cases when you can, like the law of two feet, hey, if you don't want to be here, just don't be here. Yeah, we were, this again might be another podcast discussion, but internally we were talking about cameras on versus cameras off. And as coaches, whether you're doing a training, which for certification, or if you're doing a workshop for participation, um, it is getting increasingly difficult to stay connected and be authentic when 80% or 90% or 99% of the cameras are off. Well, so, it'll, it'll depend on the size of the room too. So let's say, okay, I'm putting on my facilitator hat. If I'm facilitating a conversation, I would rather know that you're rolling your eyes because that means that what's being said with your body is also really important to this conversation. Yeah. Which to that, I'm going to yes in that Claudia. That's why when I'm, me personally, when I do presentations virtually, I try, I practice my presentation enough that I don't want to look at my monitor that has the presentation. on. I'm watching the room because you need, I want yeah, I want to see you roll your eyes or go because that will lead me to ask a question. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I wanted to go back though and and yes and the previous question, Claudia. Um, Andy was asking, do you find it more exhausting to try and gather the the gestalt of the room virtually? Have you found that when you're in person? And I ask you this because you just came back from a conference. When you come when you do in-person stuff now, do you find it more exhausting than it was previously? Oh God, yes. Because it's almost too much. Yes. And 
also because like I reconnected with my introvert self. Like I am a super, super social introvert. I can talk. I, I learned how to talk about 20 years ago and now I just won't stop talking, which is a really bad thing. That's a different problem. But when you're in that context and you're talking all the time because you've got interesting people that you can have interesting conversations with, it's really, really exciting. It's great. You can read people's faces. You can read their whole body language. You're coming maybe as your whole self, hopefully as your whole self. And it is draining. At some point, you just want to withdraw, or at least I personally need and want to withdraw. And I think we talked about in the conference podcast where I had a minute where I just I went to go find a spot on the floor to sit and not be in contact with humans. Like I put on my headphones, I sat down, I closed my eyes, I listened to music because I could not be with people anymore. And then recharged and it's fine. I can go back to being my social introvert self again. But just for that, those couple of minutes, I just needed my time to, okay, I don't want to be with you anymore. So understand from the position that I'm in and from me closing my eyes and hiding in a corner that I don't want to talk to you anymore. I think that was a pretty clear signal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? I hate people, but I love gatherings. Um, I'm going to say something potentially inflammatory. When it comes yes. to turning your turning, yeah, me, right? When it comes to turning your camera on and in service of this conversation with authenticity, I hate when people blur their backgrounds. I hate when people put the virtual background up. I want to see what's going on behind you in your yes. life, in your world. Because you know what? I may see something where I said, hey, Claudia, is that a copy of Malcolm Gladwell's last book up there? Oh, really? What did you think? Because I read that or or Andy sees one of my dogs go by. Or, and, and I understand that some people are in kind of messy bedrooms. I get it, right? Like, I get it. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. And, and I look down on you, but I like seeing part of that authenticity to me is I pick up those, I notice those little details and I ask because that to me, we, then we're talking about something that's not necessarily work-related. Yeah. We're going to create that connection that we truly can be even more authentic, right? Like I love it when somebody's got the, real background up and the cat runs by in the background right or like just some kid like when the kid comes in screaming in the room like it's kind of amusing but that shows that we all have lives and when i have a room of five people in teams and they all have that same virtual office backdrop i i, I have like dilbert isn't I just like a little part dilbert. of you die inside it's like ooh, ooh. Um, and i mean i know this is messy i know behind me is messy but no well, we can't see it anymore because you know, we're all it, in an... it is but Let's talk about it. Oh, Jay, you got a lot of books. Okay, great. Well, what have you read lately? Oh, okay. Well yeah. I, I think that that's gotta be a personal decision. You can't Fair. force your worldview on others. Others may just be uncomfortable. It's uh, and that's true. And but I don't Don't hold you wish you could though? <laughs> yes. And that's another thought. When, when Jay yeah. gets omnipotent power, what will the world look like? Well, I asked somebody, Andy, with PI planning, we had people who are notoriously not turning their cameras on. Yeah. And I asked our hardware guy, I wasn't thinking, or some, said, is there a way that we can like remotely enable people's cameras? And he looked at me deadpan and he went, well, I don't know how to do it, but I guarantee you the NSA does. Maybe we should call them. And then I actually thought about what I said and I went, oh, that's probably a bad idea. Okay, forget that. Forget that. Scrap that idea. <laughs> oh, we're coming up on time. What other topics 
what else? The old awesome. I want to know yeah. when you can not be your authentic self. In what situations? Yeah, what situation, what context, what people? I don't know. Are there times where you're like, no, I know that if I were to be myself, it would not be a good idea or it would. Yes. Well, my two cents, yeah. if you are trying to strive to be promoted to advance in your company, if you're around a C-level executive that you, you are not on a first name basis with, if you're around any executive that you do not know and they do not know you, that you're just a name and outlook, you might want to tread lightly. So for example, like I, literally when I meet with our CIO occasionally, he knows who I am. Right. Because I met him at a happy hour. I met him in personally before I met him um, work related stuff. I can get away with it. But previous jobs there, I had senior leaders where I was straight laced. I was I was more like Merman than Jay. Wrap your head around that one. Um, it was straight down middle delivery because I, I can't didn't, imagine that. I, I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't. And and it's because I, I do like working there and they don't know me well enough, whereas over time, it's like, okay, well, now I can get away with, you know, yeah. what, what's the, I can let the cuckoo out of the clock a little bit, put it that way. <laughs> and I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Right? So there are those situations where there's a power gradient and there's lack of familiarity. Um, there's probably also in, in situations as, as a external coach um, advising as organization. Sometimes we have to dampen the, the authenticity mm -hmm. filter. That's the, 27th time we've had that same discussion um i'm frustrated probably is not the best authentic andy um i i am amazed that you do you both know people who they keep their card the only way i can describe it is the metaphor is they keep their cards very close to their vest and not that they're uptight but they always have present themselves as very structured and very together and they show up in rooms and they speak and they are they're eloquent but you never can really tell what their personal feelings are because they do so well at um, fitting into the corporate apparatus. I had a boss like that and I loved him to death and I'd go work for him again, but I was always impressed. I could never tell when he goes home and talks to his wife, if he's, different. what is he actually saying or feeling? I don't, I could never tell that. And I don't know if it's necessarily a good or a bad thing. I just, I'm impressed by those people because I can't turn it off like that. So I'm always impressed by people that can't. Yeah. So I've got something to that effect. Um, I mean, you you all know me from from Discord, from conversations we've had, and I don't really hide much. Um, I am hyper emotional. I can cry if I see something happen. Uh, if if I see somebody else crying, I will start bawling. But I know this about myself, and so I keep it in check for work. And I had a very close friend from work tell me that I was cold. She cold. said, you just, yes, cold. She Ooh. said, there are things like where it's, it would create a very strong emotion in normal people. And you just talk about it like it's just so normal and it comes off as cold. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, talk about going from one extreme to the other of trying to keep myself from not crying at work because somebody looked at me the wrong way to um, coming off as cold. Mm. So I don't know. I, I would, I would take that. My two cents, Claudia is I would take that with a grain of salt because one thing I have learned in my life is that when you give someone feedback, it says more about you than it says about the person. 
because it's your observation of that person. So, I mean, if I, if I'm reading between the lines, maybe, maybe that person is just looking for someone who feels like they do. Right. And because you're not, maybe they, maybe they're over emotional and they don't want to let it out. So that they feel like, well, how could you not be emotional and be impacted by that ball? Whereas, you knowing yourself say, Hey, I don't want to put on that visage. Well, it's really funny because I never really think of myself as somebody who hides their emotion because it's really, really hard to, I mean, you, you can see my face. You can see like, if I get happy, I cry. If I get sad, I cry. If I get upset, I cry. And it doesn't really hide well on my face. <laughs> Authentic. Uh, there's one yeah. other topic that, that came up in our chat, and I'm sorry that Sarah's not here because she's the one who oh right uh, who yes. prompted it. So Jay, and nod you, to Sarah. Jay, you and I, two cis white guys, probably can't answer this question, but you know, people of uh, diverse backgrounds, colors, uh, genders, um, can they? Tr is there an authenticity issue or not? Right? Can they show up as their true self? Or do they have to code switch? Or, or Claudia, you as a, a yeah, woman. you as being a woman of color, speak up. To that. <laughs> uh, no, I so I, I feel like I'm not going to do Sarah justice on this one um, because it's not like the first part of my identity. I don't. Okay, yes, I'm a woman. Not only that, I am a woman in tech, and I am now. So in the States, I would be a woman of color because I'm Mexican-American. Now I work abroad. I'm just a foreigner working with a whole bunch of other foreigners. Leveled. So, <laughs> yes, kind of leveled the playing field. Um, the whole, you know, she did raise like, when are you crossing the line of coming across as bitchy and not, whereas, you know, if a man were to say the same thing, they would be assertive. I would just like to think that I can be an asshole just like any other person, but I don't have that same experience. So I know some people might experience that very differently. I am not like, uh, you wouldn't know that I'm a woman of color by looking at my face. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not black. I don't I don't have dark skin um so I don't have the same experience and maybe I don't have the same filters or don't feel that I need to have any filters yeah I wish we had somebody else who could speak mm. better to that but I can tell you that as a woman working in tech I do have to filter sometimes just because you have to worry okay is the thing that I'm going to, that's going to come out my mouth going to come across as too girly? Like if I'm going to start talking about my hair, am I going to bore the shit out of the guy sitting next to me? It depends on his hair. Yeah. I mean, if he looks it like me or left, we're going to be mer merman. We're going to be bored. Andy Clef, full head of hair, different. Maybe not. They might enjoy that. Uh, it's, <clears throat> I can't even begin to imagine. Right. I mean, because it is true when women when women are can be assertive, sometimes the male typical male dominated response is, "Well, she's being a bitch." Yeah. Where, well, I just tell them I just have more balls than all of you combined. Oh, well, it's God bless you. I mean, I mean, it's it's got to be a it's got to be difficult, you know. I mean, but but on the other side of that, as guys, we're oh, he's an asshole. But I, my dad, God bless him, we retired in Florida. Um, he told me as a kid, he said, "Never 
uh, the wit and wisdom of, of Dick the Decorator. He said, never hate anybody because of their color, their their race, their religion, um, their beliefs. He said, hate them because they're an asshole. And he told me he identifies as an equal <laughs> opportunity asshole. He hates everybody equally. And God bless him. He's not wrong. I mean, maybe that's the way to go through life. I don't know, but I think I think there's another lawn placard there, and you know, maybe with the Agile Uprising uh, badge <laughs> on the bottom. <laughs> Do not hate because of race, creed, color, or religion. Uh, I hate them because they're an asshole. Um, Jay, Claudia, this has been wonderful. Um, if there's any lead uh, listeners still left, Jay, you want to close this out and invite them to continue the conversation somewhere. Yes. So I would please open the open the request to, like Claudia said, we have a Discord server. It's very, very lively. I would ask if you have feelings, you have thoughts on what we said. Do you agree? Do you not disagree? Do you have a point of view that we didn't express? Please come in and have this conversation. We all That's how we all grow together. Um, come tell us we're all assholes. Right, right, right. Don't don't mumble in silence. Don't be on your phone as you're listening to this. Come on and yell at us in person because we we will we will respect that. Uh, if so, please join our Discord. Come on and have the conversation. It's very very lively. Um, I know some people say it's overwhelming. Trust me, you get used to it. You get used to it. Uh, we do want to thank everyone. I want to thank Claudia and Andy for setting this up. Everybody who's tuning in, watching, listening. We do have a Patreon, which helps offset production costs. No, we don't make any money. Any money we make off the ads you hear, it goes right back into hosting. So it's not like we're all living in the lap of luxury. Uh, we also have, we have Discord. There's Patreon. You can find us on Twitter. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn. So uh, we want to thank thank uh, Machine Man Records and Krebs for our outro music. And uh, again, we really do appreciate everyone tuning in, watching, listening, uh, especially when we go into these different, deeper, uh, more, I would say, um, with more conversations with more potential to go awry. So we do appreciate everyone's authenticity when it comes to this conversation. So until next time and until next week, this is the Agile Uprising Podcast signing out. Peace. Cool. Now we have the after party. <laughs> all right. I feel like we do a word constellation with all of like, the tangent topics. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, is there an AI that will do that? Mm-hmm. Probably, I haven't found a good one. Yeah. I'm sure that exists. Um, I, I thought, I thought we did that conversation justice. I really do. I mean, it's, it's three people. I bombed the part for Sarah though. She probably wanted me to talk about like, oh, she would have went, or... went in on it. Um, <laughs> but she's also educated in that. That's, you know, that's yes. her background um i think we did it justice i mean it's we're also very authentic people so it's it's hard to it's hard it's hard i mean i I even have sometimes conceptualizing how to put myself into shoes of someone who's not bringing their full self because why would you not right like i mean why would you not just say what you think and it's it's protective for some people i think it is it is is. safer to wear the mask and play the game uh there's no vulnerability um it's it's a protective thing and i mean i get hired because i say what i think yeah there is a there is definitely a demand for people who are gonna look it's a duck it's waterproof it quacks it's got a bill it's got web feet it floats you can call it a pigeon all you want right i'm telling you (laughs) it's a duck and what does that say about our society that we've gotten to the point that we can't we can't even call a duck a duck anymore um i i didn't want to poke at it but i mean me personally I'm not in an NGO, right? I'm in an insurance company. I, 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 so I, before 
standard. I was a Cigna, another big insurance company. Yeah. Social causes are not our thing. Health insurance is, right? Yeah. So when when all that stuff happened and we were locked down in the summer of love and George Floyd and all that, we had it was interesting to watch the generational divide of all the younger millennials who were in the company banging the drum that we need to make a statement, we need to make a statement. And then you have like the older condition. My boss is is boomer. She was repulsed by that. She said, Well, that's not what we're here for. We're here to work. Yeah. And this is probably a different conversation when we'd have to drink to do beforehand, right? That that melding of that world where the things that we, we typically totally do that outside of work, like again, you don't talk religion, you don't talk Israel no, that doesn't come in. And but that's appropriate boundaries of authenticity, right? You you some of that stuff you need to know, you you leave in your pocket or at the door. Right. There is a time and a place for you. Yeah. All right, y'all. So, Claudia, I know it's late. Thanks for staying up. Yes, thank you, Claudia. Thanks, Andy, for hosting this. Now I'll get to put on my PJ shirt as well. Yes, indeed. All right, y'all. I'll see you on Discord. Yeah. Enjoy Bye -bye. your days. Bye. Bye, -bye.